oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many vowels that were mocked before I had to lose the Fargo. I went from Southern to Yiddish. (laughs) (laughs) Hi guys, welcome to Undressed with Style Girlfriend. I'm your host, Megan Collins. Undressed is our chance to talk to folks who we think are living their lives with style, and we have got a great one for you today. That's because today's episode features Men's Health Executive Fashion and Grooming Director Brian Boyer. The Austin, Texas native, he's been with Rodale, which is Men's Health's parent company, uh, since 2000. So needless to say, he's been around the uh, men's style block, as it were. Listen for us talking about the importance of fit, how accessories can change an outfit, and for the ladies, how to provide style advice to guys so they'll actually listen. This is something we think and talk a lot about at SGHQ, so it was really great to get his perspective on that. And you know what? I really love how he also talks about the way that fitness fits into fashion and fits into you know developing your own personal style. It's really an important link back to that whole look good, feel good connection that, again, we talk about so often on Style Girlfriend. I love men's health. And, you know, just it has this really accessible advice. And, you know, it's probably more foundations focused than maybe other men's magazines that are out there, which is something that we talk about. And, you know, any magazine that knows that when you put J.J. Watt on the cover, you put him on it shirtless, that's A-OK in my book. (laughs) So, Before we get into it, please do stop whatever you're doing and go subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review if you would be so kind. It helps others find us and, you know, gives you good SG-approved karma, guaranteed. So please listen to this conversation with me and Brian Boyer from Men's Health. We are here in lovely Midtown Manhattan uh, in the office of Brian Boyer, Men's Health Executive Fashion and Grooming Director. Hi, Brian. Hello. How are you, Megan? I'm good. I'm so happy that I get to see you and back in the men's health offices. I haven't been here in a million years. We normally see each other at runway shows. I know. I saw Sandra Nygaard, your colleague, in the bathroom at Fashion Week recently. <laughs> so that was, I think, only the girls' club of men's fashion that that would happen. It's where she does some of her best work. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to start by uh, just bringing this up. Like I said, you're, you're uh, Director of fashion and grooming at Men's Health. Now, according to Google, Men's Health, quote unquote, provides information and tips on fitness, health, career, relationships, nutrition, recipes, weight loss, and muscle building. Where does fashion and grooming play into that? I think fashion and grooming plays into that in sort of all aspects. Um, You know, a lot of people think of Men's Health as a fitness magazine, a fitness and nutrition magazine. Uh, We are that. That's what we started as 28 years ago. Um, But we quickly realized that the reason guys are coming to men's health every month and every day is that they want to look good. They want to take care of their bodies. They want to eat well. They want to feel good. And a big part of that is how you dress yourself and how you take care of yourself. So, um, yes, our guys come to us for really hard-hitting scientific information about fitness and nutrition, but they also want to look good. They want to um, dress well for the office, for their significant others. And so style is a big part of it. It's actually um, our biggest advertising category. Um, Grooming is our second biggest advertising category. So marketers certainly understand that the men's health guy wants to dress well 
So this is why we aren't seeing muscle milk on the back of the cover. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. And I, I obviously feel like that was a leading question, but I do think that it's so important to get to that look good, feel good connection. So I think that that's something that men's health does really well. And it's honestly a reason that I always sort of bubble up to men's health when I'm talking about the men's magazines that I love, because I think that you guys provide this really accessible, attainable entree into talking about fashion. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how I want to say this. How much of a fight is it? Or how much do you sort of compromise within before putting out the advice that you give to your guys? Because I mean, like you just said, you're at men's fashion week, you were, you know, at Basel were looking at hundred thousand dollar watches last week. Yes. This isn't necessarily advice that guys who are buying men's health in Iowa in mm-hmm. Wisconsin, where I'm from, you know, mm-hmm. across the country that are, are living places that aren't New York city, that aren't Los Angeles. How do you get information across to them that makes sense in their world? It's a great question. And it's something that we, you know, it's a challenge that we face every single day and it's a good challenge. And it's actually kind of an easy challenge. I think, um, before I came to men's health, I was working in more traditional, like fashion editorial. And it was, um, you know, we were talking about everything that was high end and everything that was cutting edge and, um, even avant-garde. And when I came to men's health 16 years ago, I realized that, I needed to shift my way of thinking before I was talking to the fashion trade through a publication called DNR, which is now part of women's wear daily. Um, and now I'm talking to 13 million men, everyday American guys from coast to coast who might not be as interested in what and Mister is doing and more interested in what Tommy Hilfiger is doing. So the way that we approach it is first of all, the first thing that we talk about in our style stories is not going to be a trend. It is going to be something that is very practical and how to, how to dress for a first date, what to wear for a job interview. The secondary thing that we might talk about is the trend because it is important. It's a big part of fashion and the cycles of fashion and how things change. And our readers are interested in fashion, but first and foremost, they're interested in looking good. Would you actually, let me stop you. Would you say they're interested in fashion? Because for us at Style Girlfriend, we actually don't even... Fashion is kind of a an F word. Like, we don't really use it because right. we think the guys are interested in personal style, right. but not necessarily fashion. Fashion, to a lot of those guys, they, they immediately think runway, even if it doesn't have to be that. Right. And I think you're right. The word we do use is style. We're starting a new, um, a new uh, franchise in the magazine, and um, some of the uh, top editors at the magazine wanted to call it Fashion 911. And I said, I think it would be better called style 911 because style is the word that makes more sense to guys. So you're right. It is style is what they are interested in. And I don't even know if they would say they're interested in style, but they would say they're interested in looking good. So we take what happens on the runways, um, what happens on the streets and try and figure out a way to um, make that make sense to everyday guys. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means diluting it a little bit, but I don't want to wear what's happening on the runway. You know, I'm going to dilute it for myself and figure out a way that it makes sense for me. And I identify probably more with the everyday guy than I do like the super high fashion guy that is so trend driven. So for me, it's an easy thing because I'm filtering that for myself anyway. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, and I think that the way I've kind of always looked at men's health style section 
is it's a bit like sneaking vegetables into like a child's like macaroni and cheese. Like you kind of, you know, you, you maybe you put JJ Watt shirtless on the cover, right. but then on the inside, like you said, you're talking about what to wear to a job interview. Right. After 16 years, how do you keep it fresh in terms of like, if you said, you know, you're speaking to the trend second, mm-hmm. how many stories can you do about dressing for spring, about dressing for a date without wanting to out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we have, we have had conversations here at the office about how many more stories can we do about the different ways to tie a tie? You know, I mean, you do reach a certain point. Um, but I also have to remember we have new readers coming into the magazine all the time. Yeah. And, um, and we also do stories about how to get the perfect six pack all the time, which means that guys are or except like one month is six pack and the next month is like eight pack. And oh then God. It's back to six pack and I'm still trying to, to, I'm still trying to get the six. So <laughs> I, I, I just read those stories. <laughs> um, but there is a certain, you know, and that's where being a creative editor comes into play is like, how can you take that same story and make it fresh again? But what's great, and this is where trends come into play and where fashion with the F word comes into play, is that clothes do change and um, fabrics change and technology changes. Um, The people in the industry change. So there is, you know, the things that we write about suits today is totally different than the stuff that we wrote about suits 10 years ago. Um, There's all kinds of new technology and fabric and pockets and and how you wear them. So it's a different conversation and, and being in the industry for so long, it's interesting to see how things evolve. I love that. I feel like Brittany and I are scheduling out our editorial calendar and, and we sort of have that same hitting the wall of, well, but we just talked about three piece suits last month. Like you said, a new people coming in all the time. Everyone needs to find out this information and B, yeah, there's new ways to talk about it. There's new things to say, even if we always come back to the idea of, foundation about, you know, the, that it's worthwhile to invest in quality pieces of clothing. It, there is still something new to say. Yeah. And I think we work in an industry where all we do is talk about fashion and style all the time, 24 seven, but for your readers and your listeners and (laughs) my readers and viewers, um, they're not thinking about it all the time. They're thinking about it once a week, twice a week, a few minutes every morning when they get ready for work. Um, so I, we also have to remember that these are not people who are consuming this kind of information 24 seven. So, um, they might miss something, how to tie a tie, for example, that, so it bears repeating every once a year, let's say. I love that. (laughs) This is neither here nor there, but we're going through a site redesign right now. And the agency who we love and are doing such a great job, they came to us and they had literally an accent color that shows up in like maybe three places across the whole site. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know that accent color is really similar to the accent color that GQ sharp magazine, which is in Canada and like mm-hmm. Esquire uses for their accent color. And they were like, Megan, literally no one is going to notice that, but you, and I was like, <laughs> but I don't want to be derivative. And they were just like, we can, you know, Hey, you, you know, you, we can change it, but just FYI, you are a crazy person. So yes, I think that's always what it comes back to is like, you can absolutely, talk about something again and make it feel new and fresh. And even if you don't, it's still worthwhile. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you know, like the, if I was to do a tie tutorial today versus the one I did five years ago, the ties would be totally different. You know, five years ago, they'd be all silk ties and now they'd be knit ties and cotton ties and blends of fabric ties, which tie differently and not differently and look different. So, you know, things do change. Sometimes we're not as aware of it because we're watching it happen second by second. 
exhausting and exhilarating <laughs> at the same time, isn't it? It's fun. Tell me, who is the men's health guy in your view? And maybe it's maybe it's multiple guys. Well, um, we have an enormous audience. Um, in print, we have 13 million guys that read the magazine every month. On our uh, website, we have 14 million guys that visit the site every month. Um, and there's only about a 30% overlap between the two. So we're talking about, right? yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of guys. Um, across our social media platforms, we have about 10 million followers. Um, and that's just in the U.S. We also publish in 65 countries. So it's crazy. But I'm focused on the U.S., um, we do have kind of a snapshot of who the men's health guy is, and he is in his mid to late thirties. Uh, so anywhere between like 35 and 38. And, um, he is as likely to live in between the coasts as he is on the coast. So when you look at some of the other men's magazines, some of our great peers in the industry, like GQ and Esquire, a lot of with their, their beautiful accent color buttons with their yeah. beautiful, <laughs> that apparently you're copying. <laughs> well, we didn't go with that color. Or you tried to, um, <laughs> their readers uh, typically are more on the coast and you know, they're more fashion magazines. And so that makes sense. We're not a fashion magazine. And so it does make sense that our readers are evenly dispersed. So we're just as likely to have a guy like you said, in Iowa or Kansas or Minnesota that's reading men's health as the New York, LA, San Francisco dude. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's hard because we're only, you know, we have two or three fashion stories in every issue. So you can't, you know, how do you talk to everybody? Um, our reader is, you know, college educated. He has, um, he's usually gainfully employed and so he is, he is looking for information about how to look good at work. Um, that's one of the key things he wants to know. And also in his social life, um, he's interested, like we were talking about earlier, he's interested in style. I think in general, men are much more personally involved in what they wear now. Um, it's just fantastic. It is. And I mean, it, you know, it's thanks to what you're doing. It's thanks to what we're doing. And a lot of other people that guys have been given the okay Mm-hmm. It's okay to care about how you look. It's okay to spend some time putting a look together and um, thinking about fit and fabric and, you know, stuff that guys just didn't think about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Does this make my eyes pop? Right. <laughs> Are we there yet? <laughs> we keep, we keep talking about it. The um, color wheel, I think is the last vestige of what guys just cannot right. handle. <laughs> but we're getting There's there. always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. So I think of I think of our reader as a guy who um, who really cares about what kind of impression he makes with his clothing, but he doesn't want to spend a lot of time worrying about it. Um, I always like to say that the men's health reader does not want to be the first person that you notice when you walk into a room, but he wants to be the person who's noticed for looking great. Okay, so he's not wearing like an ostrich feather coming out of his hat. He's not that guy. No. That's the GQ guy. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, he's wearing the tunic top down to his Yeah, no, our guy is not, he's not going to be the most flamboyant, the most colorful, the most peacocky guy that walks into the room. Um, but he does want to be well tailored. He wants to have the right brands, the right fit. And, you know, he wants people to notice him for what he's wearing, but not be noticed for what he's wearing. What do you think is his biggest pain point style wise? I can tell you our guys. 
I think for America, you know, when I talk about our reader, I'm kind of talking about American men because we do have such a large audience. Which is kind of awesome. Yeah. Like, literally, you're just blanketing. Well, you get to have yeah. a blanket statement. It actually applies when you have, what did you say, 18 million? Uh, it's 13 in print and 14 on digital. Oh, my God. Um, That's like about the same as that from you guys. <laughs> just assume. It's about how many readers we see along. Hey, it took us 28 years. Give or take 13 million. <laughs> Um, I think the biggest hang up is fit. What would, what would you, what would you say for your reader? For us, it's what they acknowledge that they don't know is business casual. Mm. Like how to translate your wardrobe from work to weekend. Yeah. And especially in offices that are more casual. Like if a guy has to wear, you know, slacks and a blue dress shirt, like he's like, fine, I'm just going to look like a boring cog in the machine, but then how do I be myself on weekends or whatever? And to sort of be able to say, you don't have to be the blue shirt guy, but you also don't have to be the, you know, dirty converse guy. Mm -hmm. That's something that we get a lot of questions about. Um, Fit is something where I think they're open to hearing and they want that education. They know what they don't know. Right. Uh, But yeah, for us, it's definitely about like, how do I build a wardrobe that makes me feel like a grown man that like has his life together? (laughs) Well, and you know, I think that that is, I think that's one of the reasons like, um, websites like yours and magazines like mine have had a lot of success in this area because the rules of what men can and can't wear has changed so dramatically recently. And, you know, it used to be, you wore a dark certain, a dark suit and shirt and tie to work and you wore jeans and sweats on the weekend. And it was very black and white. Mm -hmm. And now that whole notion of what we wear to work and what we wear to play is just one big gray area. Um, sure, there's a lot of guys that still wear suits and ties to work, but even and wear sweats on the weekends. And wear sweats <laughs> on the weekends. Um, but for most men, I think it's this big gray area of um, you know, it's like I don't know, it's this continuum of clothing and like where what's too dressy, what's too casual, and mm-hmm. you know. I think most guys can put together the blue shirt and the khaki pant, but then what's that one extra thing you add to it that makes you not look like every other guy in the office? You know, we're a couple blocks from Park Avenue right here, and I often walk up Park Avenue at lunchtime. You just cry. I do. I do. I mean, it's Park Avenue. It's Midtown Manhattan. I mean, this should be like one of the most stylish streets in the world. And you see men like you see hordes of men coming at you dressed exactly the same, the gray suit, the French blue shirt and the black shoe, the the pants pooling at the the pants pooling and the suits Mm -hmm. too big. And there's, you know, it's some variation on that. There's nothing the matter with a gray suit and a blue shirt. I would probably wear a Brown shoe with it. (laughs) Um, And then I would also probably add a pocket square or a lapel flower or a fun sock or a cool watch or something. So I don't look and I'd get it tailored. Well, that's what I love about what we do is it's actually really small changes. People ask me all the time, you know, oh, would you ever, you know, start a sister site for women? I'm like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Women's fashion is complicated. You do have to be able to talk about trends. You can't just talk about, you know, the foundational elements. It's, it's complicated, but for men, it really is these, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And you will literally feel like a new person. Yeah. Small, small small changes changes make a huge, yeah. And I think the reason guys can kind of grasp onto that because it's similar to like the kind of small changes we can make in our diet or in our workout routines. We understand small changes make a big difference. So it's not that you have to undergo some radical transformation in how you look. 
You just need to visit the tailor and buy a few accessories. It's really easy. Um, so it's like this problem solution format that guys really, uh, understand. Yeah. The, I can fix it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Uh, I want to change, change uh, topics here a little bit and call out that you are from Austin, Texas. I am. Which people often call the Madison of the South. They do. Just me mostly, but <laughs> I think it's true. I'm super curious just because I actually honestly don't know how many people from the South and Brittany doesn't count because Florida is not. Well, I don't know. It can be kind of Southern. Uh, I've been to parts of Florida that felt like Alabama. Real Southern. <laughs> <laughs> true. But beyond that, I really, like I said, I don't, I mean, you don't have the accent anymore. So maybe that plays into it as well, but. It was beaten out of me as a kid. It was beaten out of me when I got here to uh, <laughs> New York. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how many vowels that were mocked before I had to lose the Fargo. I went from Southern to Yiddish <laughs> <laughs> and then back to somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. Yeah. I, I like to say I have just like newscaster accent now, just yep. like the generic, like non-accent accent. It only comes out sometimes, just certain words like Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Jesus. <laughs> um, for me, like I know how that sens- sensibility plays out into my own style. It's something that we're really cognizant of on Style Girlfriend. I'm not wanting to, you know, do a totally high end, you know, designer head to toe. You know, we're all about the high low mix. We're all about making sure that people are within their comfort zones for you know helping them push their style forward. How does it play into your style sensibility, being from the South, having this sort of genteel background. <laughs> well, and, and the truth is I, um, I'm from Texas, but I also lived, um, all over the world growing up. I lived in Europe. I lived in the South Pacific. I lived, um, on the East coast and the West coast and in the South. So, um, I actually attribute my living in so many different places and seeing so many different people who dress in everything from a grass skirt Literally, when we lived in the South Pacific, we lived on a tiny island where people wore either no clothes or grass skirts. Okay. To, what did you opt for? What? What did you opt for? I think I wore, I think I wore shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little. I wore shorts. I arrived on the island with one pair of shoes. And two years later, when we left, I'd outgrown those pair of shoes. And they did not sell shoes on this island. So I had to fly all the way back to the States barefoot. Yeah. <laughs> army yeah. brat or? Uh, Peace Corps brat. Okay. And I was also an army brat too, but that was Peace Corps. Okay. But um, I attribute living in so many different places before the age of 18 um, as giving me a sense that we're not all the same. We're not all homogenous. We don't all wear, like in Texas, when I was a kid, everybody starched their jeans and starched their shirts and everything was as crisp as could be. But I also knew that people in Switzerland dressed differently and people in England dressed differently and people in the Marshall Islands dressed differently. And so... I could kind of put myself in a lot of other people's shoes. I didn't just have that one singular Texas viewpoint. Um, And I think that's been helpful in my job now, looking at this wide range of designers that we work with here at the magazine and our wide range of readers and helping kind of put it all in perspective for them. I think just even the idea that you understand that, I think so many people don't even kind of think about how, where they're from affects who they are. And I think for me, like Wisconsin is an anomaly in that if you meet anyone from Wisconsin, they're so proud to be from Wisconsin they and that's are. very true. But, <laughs> but I do think that that's gives you time to think about who was I then and who am I now and why. So having such an interesting background, I'm sure that, yeah, you had plenty of time on the plane, you know, barefoot to think <laughs> yeah, about that. Right. It's a long flight. <laughs> I also want to ask you about this article that uh, was in men's health last year. That was so amazing. It was about your journey towards fitness. Oh Yeah. 
Uh, can you just talk a little bit about that and how you see the connection for yourself between health and style? We've already touched on it, but just to get really pinpointing it. Yeah. So like a couple of years ago, I, um, for a few different reasons, I'd had some heart troubles a couple of years ago. And so I started to get really nervous about working out. Long story short, over the course of a year, I gained about like 30 or 40 pounds. And um, yeah, it didn't really look good. And yeah, I didn't really feel good. But really, the clincher was my clothes looked terrible. And then I was having to buy new clothes. And um, I was like, you know, the sizing up shopping trip, that's got to hurt. Yeah. Um, and you don't, you know, then you don't really want to invest in nice clothes when you're sizing up because you're like, this is super temporary. So the whole thing, you know, um, I knew from a health perspective, it wasn't a good situation, but from a style perspective, it was even worse. <laughs> so I kind of like, Priorities. I know. listen, whatever it takes, right. <laughs> I whipped myself into shape. Um, I got on a better nutrition program. Um, I got the okay for my doctor to start exercising more. And over the course of about four months, I lost 30 pounds and then I lost another 10 pounds in the next month. Um, and kind of, got back in shape and got to wear all my great clothes again. Um, which fortunately, since menswear doesn't change that quickly, my one year old clothes were still in style. Um, <laughs> like you got to shop your closet. I did. And then, you know, I also took advantage of, um, feeling better about myself to go out and splurge on some, on some new things too, which I think is great. I think it's a good way for guys to reward themselves, uh, whether it's working hard in the gym or taking control of their nutrition. Um, when you invest in nice clothes, you really want to wear those clothes. And so it can actually be a good tool in helping you stay fit and healthy. What made it feel like a lifestyle shift rather than a diet? Uh, well, I know enough from working at this magazine that diets are kind of not a great idea. Um, I also know that I don't want to be on a diet. I want to eat healthy and, um, so it's really just about figuring out, it's the same with exercise. What is it that is going to make you happy and that you're going to like? So for me, it was like, what kind of foods are healthy that I like? You know, um, no, I don't want to eat kale salad every day. That's just not, that might work for somebody, but it's not going to work for me. But um, like a grilled turkey burger and a, a salad, that is appetizing to me. So like, what are the things that are going to work for me? Um, both in fitness and nutrition and really latch onto those rather than trying to force a circle and just into a square and forcing a diet that you're not going to keep up. Um, that just doesn't work. It might work in the short term, but it's not going to work in the long term. And finally, before we get into our fun games, I already mentioned your lovely counterpart, Ms. Nagarda, yes. who, like I said, I ran into in a bathroom at Men's Fashion Week. That's the last I've seen her. At least you didn't run into me there. Yeah. <laughs> One of us is in real trouble. Uh, I'm just really curious, what do you see as women's role when it comes to men's fashion? Um, I think women play a huge role in men's fashion because... You know, for a lot of guys, they are dressing to get the approval of women. And um, so they can hear about fashion from a guy. And I think if it's presented in the right way, that's great. But for a lot of guys, that message might be better received when it's coming from a woman. Um, and, you know, like I said, I've been at the magazine for 16 years. And there has always been at least one, if not two or three, uh, women on the fashion editorial team. I think it's important to have a guy or two, because we certainly understand a lot of the ins and outs of dressing and what our issues are and what our concerns are. 
but women also, women have a different eye and women um, can also take their skills at the more complicated women's wear um, and sort of apply that to men's wear. And I think, you know, you do an amazing job of helping demystify the process. Um, Sandra does the same thing here at the magazine. You know, she has a great voice. She's also very funny. And I think um, approaching style in a less serious way um, and with a little bit of humor and lightheartedness can go a long way. What advice would you give to women out there that would like to see their men maybe make some updates to their wardrobe? What's the best way of going about dispensing that advice? It's a good question. Um, you know, it's certainly not about telling them they have to do something or else. Um, I think positive, you know, us, us men, we are very gentle souls and we're very sensitive. All of any women listening might not realize that, but we are very sensitive. Um, positive reinforcement is always good. Um, you know, I think guys are open to somebody, whether it's their girlfriend or a friend or a colleague or whoever saying like, Hey, there's a few things you could do to look better. And like, here's a couple of ideas. I think this color would look great on you. Or why don't you try this kind of suit or like, let's get rid of those disgusting jeans. Um, but you know how, you know, you want to phrase it in a friendly, helpful way. Um, and then offer like some very concrete, specific information about like what would be better. Um, and why it would be better. Um, I would always say approach it in that problem solution format we talked about. That's how guys operate. If there's a problem, okay, my jeans look terrible on me. What's the solution? So when you're, when you're approaching a guy to talk about his style, keep that problem solution format. And remember, we're sensitive. <laughs> I think that's a fantastic way to go into would you rather. <laughs> oh, no. I'm nervous about this. I don't know why. As you should be. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I guess because the would you rather games I play with my friends are not <laughs> fit for broadcasting. <laughs> would you rather wear shape-ups or shower sandals for the next year? Um, what are shape ups? <gasps> They're, uh, those sneakers that are supposed to help you get in shape with the, oh, really the, ran- the, the kind of rounded, rounded the Oh yeah. I would wear those. <gasps> yeah. I would I'd totally wear shape ups. <laughs> Your butt would look fantastic. And they're so comfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're walking on a cloud. I'm sorry. Have you worn shape ups? I might have. I might have. I might have. I'm not going to lie. I have to try yeah, a lot like of things. Under the table I have to know. I have a no. testone on. Come on. <laughs> But I have to try a lot of crazy stuff. Shit for the magazine. <laughs> you said I could curse. <laughs> we'll allow one per episode. Now, um, would you rather, when you say you're from Austin, be asked about Friday Night Lights or about the South by Southwest Festival? Oh, anything but South by Southwest. I would rather be asked about anything. You could ask me about University of Texas football, and I would rather talk about that. <laughs> I am so over South by Southwest. So what you're saying is, uh, did you not go to South by this year? No, there was gunfights going on. I couldn't be there. (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather go a month without socks or without underwear? I would rather go a month without socks, even though I just walked the Basel watch fair for three straight days wearing trousers and dress shoes with no socks because it was the best look. And I have black and blue toenails right now (laughs) because I walked about 10 miles a day in really comfortable shoes, but still it kind of hurt. No blisters. Did you like powder? What was the strategy? I used powder, but, um, I was, I was having like 15 hour days. So socks, 
socks, uh, sockless shoe situation is great. But my advice is like, keep it to like just the regular work day or the evening, not both like I was doing. And ideally trade out those shoes the next day. Yeah. Like, give, give them a breather. Which I didn't. Yeah. Because I was traveling I and I was so trying much. to pack light. Did you, are you a carry on guy? Yes. I, I really feel like there's two types of people in this world. Like people that can go three days or 10 days with a carry on and people who are like, oh no, I need to track a lug- like, like luggage no matter what. Just no matter what happens. I, I lost, this, I, this is a total sidebar, but um, about seven or eight years ago, I was going to fashion week in Milan. I had like three enormous suitcases, outfit changes five times a day and airlines lost my luggage <gasps> for two weeks. So I was in Florence, Paris, and Milan for two weeks (laughs) with, I had to completely rebuild my wardrobe. And it was on that trip that I realized it was not, (laughs) Um, but I did get the airlines to reimburse me, which is a segment for another uh, topic for another segment. Um, But I realized on that trip that um, I could pull together like 10 pieces and I looked great every single day. And I really learned how to pack light on that trip because I didn't want to buy a ton of clothes. So what are the clothes that you can wear multiple times that people aren't going to say, Hey, there's that guy in that triangle print shirt again. Um, and yeah. so yeah, now I am a carry on guy. That's something we get asked for all the time is like packing guides. Is that something that you guys do? We do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so helpful. It is. I love them. You know, it's all about a color story. Yep. Pick a color story. And when everything can go with everything else, you have many, many options. Also, I love the idea now of thinking of like Tom, the engineer and like Cleveland. That's like, honey, I've got a pack for this work trip next week. What's my color story? <laughs> like, I just want to think that there's guys across the country that are going to do that. For yeah, that is. And I like, don't know. Navy. Yeah. I don't know a nicer, more understandable way to say color story, but if you can help me, I'd appreciate it. Nope. We're sticking with color story. Uh, next up, you okay. thought this was over. No. Would you rather drink only protein shakes or only green juice? Only green juice. I love green juice. Would you rather put Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump shirtless on the cover of Men's Health? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm just going to go with Hillary Clinton. Would you rather listen to someone talk about their marathon training for an hour or about their child's potty training exploits? Marathon. (laughs) Would you rather sprint everywhere or always be forced to carry five pound dumbbells? (laughs) Uh, I feel like I'm already sprinting everywhere, so I'm going to go with that. (laughs) And finally, would you rather trade wardrobes with Nick Wooster or Cam Newton? Uh, I would trade wardrobes with Nick Wooster. I don't think his pants would look... I don't think they work well, They'd be shorts for me. So it'd be perfect. And summer's just around the corner. I love you, Nick. If oh you're listening God. to this. Perfect response. Uh, and finally, before we get to your million bucks moment, I want to hear BB approved or not this dude for the following. Okay. Jogger pants. Uh, BB approved. CrossFit. BB approved. Sneakers with a suit. Totally BB approved. Mm. Winter whites. 100% BB approved. Going gray gracefully. Uh, yeah, I'm living I'm living the dream right now, so BB approved. I have to say it. And finally, Botox for men. Uh, BB approved. I love it. That was easy. Yeah. So you got through that? I like all those. That wasn't scary. Yeah. I know. We, and <laughs> Going also, gray gracefully is, though. <laughs> also, we never get people actually being okay with everything. It's usually oh, really? like, not the suit, not the suit, not the suit. Oh, no. A lot, of, a lot of guys not in favor of CrossFit. I don't do CrossFit. It's not really for me, but, um, you know, Hey, you work in men's health. If you said no, you definitely have some angry. It works for a lot of people. It's not for me. You know, I love it. Yeah. 
So finally, what was your first million bucks moment? My first million bucks moment was um, my second job in my career after that newspaper that we talked about earlier was uh, I worked for a magazine and called Beverly Hills 213. And we dealt with, uh, we dealt with a lot of like high end retail stores and we did a lot of fashion shoots and celebrity stuff. And, you know, I was like 25 years old. I had like two pennies to scrape together and I, you know, I tried to look as good as I could. And um, I was still learning about how to put suits and ties together. I had a big journalism background, but not a big fashion background. Um, but I was operating in a world with a lot of wealthy people. And I was given as a gift, a Bulgari watch. And it was a very expensive watch, like a thousand times more expensive than the watch I had at the time, which was a fossil. Shout out to fossil though, right? We've all been there. But... I've always been one who loves accessories, watches and shoes. And, um, I felt, I truly felt like a million bucks when I wore this watch. I still have the watch to this day. It's tiny in comparison to the watches that we see now. Um, but it didn't matter what suit I was wearing or what shoes I was wearing. I felt so powerful with this watch on. And, um, I think I carried myself with my head a little bit higher and I felt a little bit prouder and I wanted to make sure I flashed my watch wherever I went. And, um, it's because of that moment that I understand men's relationship with watches. Now it's something that our readers are super interested in. And I know now because that one little piece of jewelry can make such a big difference in how you feel about everything else you're wearing. It can take a basic gray suit and make it exceptional. Um, it still needs to be tailored and you know, all the other accessories we talked about, but the watch is a powerful thing. And that was my million dollar moment. Ah, oh, I love it. What a fantastic way to go out. Ryan Moye of Men's Health. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you. It was fun. All right. That was Brian Boyer of Men's Health. If you liked this episode, please go rate it on iTunes and hit the subscribe button while you're there. Till next time, this is Undressed. I'm Megan Collins of Style Girlfriend. Thanks for listening.